You can turn your Bibles this morning to Psalm 88. We're going to start there. We're going to be looking at a lot of scriptures today. Uh, We're going to be starting in Psalm 88. Last week, we began to talk about the hiddenness of God, this concept of why isn't God more obvious? And maybe you've heard this charge before about, hey, shouldn't God, if he really wanted us to to believe in him, to know that he exists, shouldn't he make himself uh, more known? And uh, that sermon's up, up online. I just want to make you aware of that. The things that, that we're preaching in the, in the mornings are, are um, by the middle of the week usually, they're up online, um, either on Facebook or on YouTube, or especially on our website. You can find video, you can find audio, you can also find a link to the PowerPoints, the sermon notes that you can download. Uh, these things show up in our church app as well. So if you want to go back and take a look at what we've been doing Um, I really encourage you to do so. But last week we talked about this idea of um, why is God hidden? And we we looked at a couple of different things. We asked the question like, well, is God really hiding? And we looked at all the different ways that God reveals himself. We had been talking about that over the last few months, right? How God reveals himself in creation and how God reveals himself by the Holy Spirit and how God reveals himself in our conscience, our moral experience, all these different ways. And like God's, God's not hiding but then there's the charge, well, if he really wanted us to know that he was there, he should have like written his name in the sky or something like that. And we, like, those are um, based on some assumptions that, that I don't believe are, are true. It, it assumes that all God is interested in is that we know that he exists. But that's not what God wants from us. God actually wants a loving, free, trusting relationship with him. Or excuse me, he wants us to have that relationship with him. And so there's no guarantee that had he written his name in the stars that people would freely choose to enter into that relationship. They might resent him. They might reject him. They might rebel more against him. And in fact, we looked at the biblical perspective on that and we saw that time and time again, God revealed himself to the Israelites and they rejected him. Time and time again, like um, the Jews rejected the son of God, Jesus, as he was doing miracles and preaching the word and healing the sick. And raising the dead, they constantly rejected him. So it's not at all a guarantee that if God just plastered his name over all of creation, where it was like visible and you could see it, that people would freely enter into a loving relationship with him. So this idea that that God is hiding or that God is is hidden, I don't don't think it stands up. I I I don't think it stands up to scrutiny. So again, go back. There's a lot more in detail on the video, but but I wanted to just give you that because we're, we're going to go into another aspect of the hiddenness of God today. And this one is a little more personal and maybe a little more um, based on how, how we feel and where our hearts are at different times in life. And I'm calling these things seasons of silence. All right. So this, this picture here is that we're all on this spiritual journey with God. We, we concluded last week with this idea that God is revealing himself to us and he wants us to walk with him. And as we're walking with him on this spiritual journey of, of life with God, we recognize that there are highs and lows. Like there, there are mountains and valleys. We sing about that this morning, right? He's the God of the mountain and he's the God of the valley. There, there are times when things are going great in life And there are times when we don't feel so great in life, right? There are times of joy. There's times where where things seem just to be clicking and working within our our hearts. 
And then there are times of, of sorrow and sadness and grief. There are seasons of struggle and, and hardship. And this, this picture of seasons, I think, is a good picture because, you know, every year we go through, through seasons, right? It's spring, summer, and winter, and fall. And thankfully, we haven't had a whole bunch of snow. I mean, my wife and kids are a little upset about that, but I don't have to shovel. I'm happy that I don't have to shovel. But, but, but we notice like there's this, this cycle of things in the natural world and the way that God has ordered things. It's not summer all the time. It's not growing season all the time. There, there, sometimes there's, there's seasons that are, that are dreary and cold. But the thing is that those seasons are preparing for seasons of growth, right? They're all necessary. It's not growth all the time, but each of those seasons are necessary for growth. And just like there are seasons that we grow through each year, there are seasons that we grow through in our spiritual journey with God. And there are some seasons that we feel like God is silent. There are some seasons where we feel like we're wondering where he is. Is, is he even there? Now, these periods of struggle in our journey, they've been called different things by different writers over the years. One particular phrase you might hear is the dark night of the soul. This was from St. John of the Cross. And he described this, this time of, of sorrow and, and struggle, this period of time in, in a spiritual journey where we're, we're struggling to connect with God. Uh, Pete Scazzaro, in his book, Emotionally Healthy Spirituality, he, he describes this as the journey through the wall. That, you know, that picture of, of the runner when you're running and you just hit the wall and it's like, I can't go on any further, right? And he just describes what that is like when, when we're struggling and, and things, they don't, they don't seem to be working the way they used to. And these seasons, they're brought on by different things. They, they can have many different causes, right? Maybe, maybe for example, there's an event or like a, a crisis, that happens in your life. Maybe the death of a loved one or, or the loss of a job or maybe an illness, a, di- a cancer diagnosis, something like that. Maybe, maybe it's a, a divorce or, or the breaking of a relationship with a, a parent and a child or a, a close friend, a betrayal of some sort. Maybe it's a failure, a failure in a, in a business or just a moral failure could simply be a transition. Like sometimes these things are brought on by events, by, by, by things that happen in life. And other times these, these seasons of struggle that we go through, these seasons of silence that we feel, um, just there, there's no identifiable reason. Like we can't point to a thing and said that was the start of it. It just something changed and just we, things weren't clicking the way that they used to and we enter into this difficult season. And as we enter into seasons like this, there are all kinds of things that we feel. And, and here are a few of them. They all start with D. That was not intentional. That just, that's just kind of the things that pop out. Um, but we may experience feelings of, of distance, times when we don't feel close to God. We lose a sense of connection with Him. We lose a sense of communion. That just kind of disappears. We pray, but it just feels like they hit the ceiling and come right back, right? Like... Um, there, there can be feelings of, of dryness where there's just like no life. There's no vitality in, in what we're doing our life with God or even the way that we go about living with people or in doing our work in the world. There's like emptiness and like a lack of joy. Maybe it's accompanied by some type of burnout and like we just kind of get, get crusty on the inside and we get hard and kind of callous and that shows up in our relationships with other people. 
people. We're just weary and, and, and tired. Maybe feelings of disorientation. We just feel lost. Like, who, wait, where am I? What's going on? How did I end up here? Where's God? Who is God? Who am I? Like, why is all this happening to me? Why do I feel this way? And we're just like disoriented because we can't quite figure out what's going on. And the things that used to help us connect with God, they just kind of stop working. Like maybe if we were really into to reading the Bible or, or to worship or those kinds of things, like those things just kind of don't work for us anymore. We just feel like, you know, I'm doing these spiritual disciplines, but I'm, I'm not connecting with God. We can experience doubt. Just God, God, are you even there? Do you even care? Does God even exist? Has he rejected me? Where are you, God? Why are you letting me deal with this, God? We experience feelings of depression. We're just down. There's just like sadness and gloom that kind of takes over where we don't have hope. We don't really experience happiness. It's hard to care about things. We don't have motivation. Like we're just like, I feel down. Like what is the point? I'd rather just like sit here and stare at the wall because that's about all the energy that I can muster. Anybody ever experienced any of these types of things? It's important to understand that, that these types of things can happen to anyone, right? It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter how strong your faith is. It can happen to all of us. I've experienced every one of these things. There are days, you know, you come in and it's just like, I got nothing, God. What, what, am, I supposed to, what am I supposed to do? How am I supposed to love people? How am I supposed to serve? I got nothing today, Lord. And if you're feeling these things, it's not because you're a bad Christian or you're, you're not being faithful. It's not a particular weakness of your own. It's a human weakness. It's part of the human condition that we are limited, that we are finite, that we are frail, that we are weak. And we look at Scripture, we see many of the great men of faith experience seasons like this. We can look at Abraham, we can look at Moses, we can look at Joseph, we can look at Elijah, we, we see these things show up in their lives. And so the question is, is as we experience things like this, what do we do about it? What do these seasons look like from a biblical perspective? And then what, what are we supposed to do to, to get through it? And so we're going to look at a bunch of Psalms today. And I'm going to give you all the answers up front so that when we read these Psalms, we can um, see how people have struggled through these seasons in the past, right? And so we look at these lessons from the Psalms, and we're going to be noticing things like this. First of all, that we need to be honest about our feelings. We need to be, be real with ourselves and not pretend that everything's okay, not just put on a smiling face and go be the good Christian that everybody expects us to be, right? Like, we can be uh, real and have raw emotion before God, and we're to take these things to God because He can handle it. He loves us. He knows our weaknesses. We, we need to remember who God is and what He's already done in our lives. We want to remember back to the times when we were feeling close to God, and we did see God moving, and we were aware of His presence, and remember those things and the ways that He showed up, and we rehearsed those things. A lot of time in the Old Testament, when God did something great, they, they built an altar there. 
to remind them so that as they walked through the land and one day, you know, they were walking through with their children and their children were like, hey, what's that over there? And, their child, and their, the parents would be like, hey, that's when God showed up and he saved us. That's when God showed up and he delivered us, right? And we rehearse these things. We remind ourselves of what God has done. We want to embrace trust. We want to embrace patience. And we want to embrace mystery, right? Trust is about, God, I don't always see what's going on, but, but I, I believe your promises are true. I believe your word is true. And I'm going to wait patiently while you work me through this situation. And you know, I'm just a human being. I don't have to have all the answers. I can, I can deal with some mystery. I like to know everything. I struggle with that one because I like to know as much I can, as I can possibly know. But there's just not enough time in a day for me to know everything. And God, God's ways are way higher than my ways. And God's plans far, um, go far beyond anything that I can imagine. And so like, I have to trust him even when, when I don't know or I don't see an answer. And then the other thing I think we have to do is we have to cry out to God for help and also just continue in praise for what he's done and for what he's going to do. And these are the things that we see people doing in these psalms. So we're going to kind of run through some psalms now and just highlight examples of this. And just as we do this, ask, um, ask yourself, where have I been in these situations and, and how can I respond? All right? So we're going to start with Psalm 88. This is, Lord, you are the God who saves me. Day and night I cry out to you. May my prayer come before you. Turn your ear to my cry. I am overwhelmed with troubles and my life draws near to death. I am counted among those who go down to the pit. I am like one without strength. I am set apart from the dead like the slain who lie in the grave, whom you remember no more, who are cut off from your care. You have put me in the lowest pit, in the darkest depths. Your wrath lies heavily on me. You have overwhelmed me with all your waves. You have taken from me my closest friends and have made me repulsive to them. I am confined and cannot escape. My eyes are dim with grief. I call to you, Lord, every day. I spread out my hands to you. Do you show your wonders to the dead? Do their spirits rise up and praise you? Is your love declared in the grave, your faithfulness in destruction? Are your wonders known in the places of darkness or your righteous deeds in the land of oblivion? But I cry to you for help, Lord. In the morning, my prayer comes before you. Why, Lord, do you reject me and hide your face from me? From my youth, I have suffered and been close to death. I have borne your terrors and am in despair. Your wrath has swept over me. Your terrors have destroyed me. All day long, they surround me like a flood. They have completely engulfed me. You have taken, me from, taken from me friend and neighbor. Darkness is my closest friend. Like, this is one of the gloomiest pieces of Scripture that you're going to read. Like, usually, and we'll look at some examples of, of Psalms here in a minute, where, like, usually there's this shift from, like, despair to hope. This guy, he never gets here in this Psalm, right? He's like, it's just, like, down all the time. And just look at a few of these, these phrases. We'll run through them quickly. It's like, overwhelmed with trouble. I'm without strength. You remember me no more. Your wrath lies heavily on me. You've overwhelmed me with with all your waves. You ever been in a situation where it's just like wave after wave after wave of problem? It's like, hey, one of those things I could have handled, two of those things I could have handled, maybe three of those things I could have handled, but four, five, six, seven, just smack, 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 right? And it's like, we went through a period like, kind of like this uh, not too long ago where it's just like everything in our house broke. Like 
all at once. It's like the microwave broke. Who cares? That's a trial. That's not a season of silence. That's not like God abandoning you. I'm not feeling like God abandoned me because my microwave broke or anything like that. But like that broke. The washing machine broke. The dryers messed up. The car broke down three times. The other car broke. Like it was just like wave after wave after wave after wave. And it's like, oh God, how can I, right? And, and that's not the worst of it. That's a, that's a light example. But, you know, like, like there, are, there are things in life that just smash us and smash us and smash us. Like we're in the ocean and we're trying to get up and that next wave comes and just knocks us back down. Right? He says, I'm confined. I can't escape. I, I'm full of grief. Your, your terrors, they surround me like a flood. I'm completely engulfed in them. Darkness is my closest friend. There's a whole lot of negative stuff going on here. He feels like God is hiding from him. He says, um, why, Lord, do you reject me and hide your face from me, right? This idea of we feel like God is hiding, that God is turning away, that he's ignoring us, right? There's very little positive in this psalm, but there is some positive. And it's where he starts. It's interesting. He says, Lord, you are the God who saves me is how he starts this. And these, these words in the original language is, Yahweh, which is the personal name of God. We have this personal relationship with God. He's not some authority over there who doesn't know us. Like he's, he, we have a personal relationship with him. He says, Yahweh, God, my Savior, is how he starts as he begins to pour out his heart. He says, may my prayer come before you as this request. Turn your ear to my cry. I cry to you for help, Right? So, so even in the midst of all this sorrow and struggle, he still is calling out to God. And this is where we need to be. Like, it's okay to feel these things. When, if you're going through a season where it's like, I don't see a lot of hope, man, this psalm is, is kind of describing that, right? Like, it's okay to feel them, and it's okay to tell God about them. Sometimes, like, when we go to God and pray, we have to be like, okay, let me um, put on my, my prayer face. Oh, dear God, thank you so much for all that you're doing in my life. And we kind of like put on this facade to try to portray something that's not going on in our hearts. God doesn't need us to do that. Not to him and not in in life. If we're struggling, it's okay to admit that we're struggling. And he is there to to provide comfort and hope and, and healing. So be honest with yourself. Be honest with God and take those things to him. We look at Psalm 13. Psalm 13 says this, How long, Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and day after day have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? Look on me and answer, Lord my God. Give light to my eyes or I will sleep in death and my enemy will say I have overcome him and my foes will rejoice when I fall. But I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing the Lord's praise, for he has been good to me. This, this short little psalm, and he, he starts out with saying, how long is this going to last, God? Like, what's going on? Have you forgotten me? You're, you're, you're ignoring me? You're hiding your face from me? Like, I'm wrestling with my thoughts. This, this picture of day and night. Have you had that experience where just like something is troubling you and you're just laying in bed and you're rehearsing it over and over again? It's like, you're trying to sleep, but you're worried. 
and you're like, you're trying to pray, and it's kind of like fits and starts, like, God, I want to focus on you, I want to give this to you, but it's hard, and I'm just like wrestling with what's, um, what's going on in your heart, whether it's you're uh, fearful about something, or there's this is anxiety over a situation, and like, how do I deal with it? That's what he's describing here, right? And he cries out, he's like, pay attention, God, look on me. Look on me, God, pay attention, see me, notice me. Answer me, Lord. And then there's this switch that happens where he, he has this statement of hope and statement of confidence. And he says, but I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing the Lord's praise for he has been good to me. And again, he's reminding himself of what the Lord has done and how the Lord has shown up in other situations, how the Lord has brought blessing at times. And he's praising the Lord for those things, even though in the middle of what he's doing right now, he doesn't necessarily feel it. We feel like God is absent. We want to remember the ways that he's been loving and blessed us. Turn back just a couple pages to Psalm 6. Lord, do not rebuke me in your anger or discipline me in your wrath. Have mercy on me, Lord, for I am faint. Heal me, Lord, for my bones are in agony. My soul is in deep anguish. How long, Lord, how long? Turn, Lord, and deliver me. Save me because of your unfailing love. Among the dead, no one proclaims your name. Who praises you from the grave? I am worn out from my groaning. All night long, I flood my bed with weeping and drench my couch with tears. My eyes grow weak with sorrow. They fail because of all my foes. Away from me, all you who do evil, for the Lord has heard my weeping. The Lord has heard my cry for mercy. The Lord accepts my prayer. All my enemies will be overwhelmed with shame and anguish. They will turn back and suddenly be put to shame. He says, I'm worn out from my groaning. All night long, I, I flood my bed with weeping. I drench my couch with tears, right? You, like, this deep sorrow that, that comes at times. When things don't work out the way that we wanted them to. When, when we don't seem to feel God's presence. And the, there are times where it's like, all we can do is just sit and weep before the Lord. And it just, it's, it's, it's taxing emotionally, physically, it, it drains us. He says, I'm worn out from it all. And yet he cries out for mercy in this. And he says, the Lord has heard my cry for mercy. Look at one more psalm, Psalm 22. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me, so far from my cries of anguish? My God, I cry out to you by day, but you do not answer. By night, but I find no rest. You are yet you are enthroned as the Holy One. You are the one Israel praises. In you, our ancestors put their trust. They trusted and you delivered them. To you, they cried out and were saved. In you, they trusted and were not put to shame. But I am a worm and not a man, scorned by everyone, despised by the people, all who see me mock me. They hurl insults, shaking their heads. He trusts in the Lord, they say. Let the Lord rescue him. Let him deliver him, since he delights in him. Yet you brought me out of the womb. You made me trust in you, even at my mother's breast. From birth I was cast on you. From my mother's womb, you have been my God. Do not be far from me. For trouble is near, and there is no one to help. Many bulls surround me. Strong bulls of Bashan encircle me. 
roaring lions that tear their prey, open their mouths wide against me. I am poured out like water, and all my bones are out of joint. My heart has turned to wax, it is melted within me. My mouth is dried up like a potsherd. My tongue sticks to the roof of my mouth. You lay me in the dust of death. Dogs surround me. A pack of villains encircles me. They pierce my hands and my feet. All my bones are on display. People stare and gloat over me. They divide my clothes among them and cast lots for my garments. But you, Lord, do not be far from me. You are my strength. Come quickly to help me. Deliver me from the sword, my precious life from the power of the dogs. Rescue me from the mouth of the lions. Save me from the horns of the wild oxen. I will declare your name to my people. In the assembly, I will praise you. You who fear the Lord, praise him. All you descendants of Jacob, Jacob, honor him. Revere him, all you descendants of Israel. For he has not despised or scorned the suffering of the afflicted one. He has not hidden his face from him, but has listened to his cry for help. For from you comes the theme of my praise in the great assembly. Before those who fear you, I will fulfill my vows. The poor will eat and be satisfied. Those who seek the Lord will praise him. May your hearts live forever. All the ends of the earth will remember and turn to the Lord. And all the families of the nations will bow down before him, for dominion belongs to the Lord and he rules over the nations. All the rich of the earth will feast and worship, and all who go down to the dust will kneel before him. Those who cannot keep themselves alive, posterity will serve him. Future generations will be told about the Lord. They will proclaim his righteousness, declaring to a people yet unborn, he has done it. Think about where this guy starts off. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me, right? Jesus echoes these words on the cross, right? This feeling of abandonment and like total rejection. You're so far from saving me, God. You're so far from the cries of my anguish. I'm crying out to you. You're not answering, Lord. There's no rest for me. He says at one point, like, I'm a worm. I'm not even a person. I'm scorned by everyone. Everybody's mocking me. I'm poured out like water. He's just totally spent, you know, just wasted. All my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax. I'm just melting away. You're laying me in the, dump, in the dust of death. Yet at different times through these expressions of sorrow and grief and hurt, he reminds himself who God is. He starts talking about the people of Israel. You're the Holy One. You're enthroned over Israel. You're the one that Israel praises. He says, and you, our ancestors, they put their trust They trusted and you delivered them. To you they cried out and were saved. And so in the midst of crying out to God in his deep sorrow and his deep anguish, he's going, God, I've seen you do do it before. I'm reminded of all the ways that that you worked in the nation of Israel, our people. I'm looking at my ancestors, my forefathers. I've seen you do these things before. I'm crying out to you. God, I'm putting my trust in you. And by the end of the, the psalm, he's like, don't be far from me because you're my strength. Help me, deliver me, rescue me, save me. He says, I'm going to declare to my people your name. That in the assembly, when we're all gathered together, I'm going to praise you. And there's this switch from this sorrow to praise as God begins to show up and God uh, begins to answer his cry for help. He, He comes to the conclusion, God's not despising me. God hasn't scorned me. Even though I'm suffering, even though I feel afflicted, God is still there. He's not hiding from me. 
that God listens to our cry for help. And he says, those, he, this is where he ends, those who seek the Lord will praise him. So we just walked through four different psalms about these things that we feel in our lives when things are hard. When we feel like God is absent and we just may be getting silence from heaven. And to reiterate these things, like it's okay to be honest with the Lord about our feelings. He wants us to bring those things to him. We don't have to hide. He is there and he wants to bring healing. He wants to show up for us. When we're feeling like he's not there, we need to remind ourselves who he is and what he's already done. And we see it in the lives of other people. We see it in our own lives and we remind ourselves of those things so that we can continue to trust in him. That we <coughs> would embrace patience and this idea that, hey, there's holy sense of mystery and I don't have to know everything. But God has told me that he does things for my benefit and for my good and I'm going to trust him even though I don't see it right now. And then we cry out to him and, and we praise him. So I don't know where you are or what you've experienced in your life, but as you've walked through these different seasons where you don't feel connected like maybe you normally do, be patient and let God show up as you cry out to him. And there's another aspect of this that I think it's important for us that we're going to hit fairly quickly. Um, would you guys go ahead and, and turn to Hebrews chapter 12? We're going to start with verse 4. We're going to read that in just a minute. But like, like as I wrestle with this, I wonder in these seasons of, of silence where we're, we're not connecting with God, we don't feel like He's there, is God doing anything? Is there any, any purpose in the midst of these things? And I would first begin by saying, you know, I can't tell you exactly why and in any particular situation in your life, you're feeling disconnected. Why you're experiencing doubt or why you're experiencing depression. Like, I don't know God's overall grand purposes for that. I, I can't answer that for you. This, we're talking about embracing mystery, right? But, but there are some scriptures that, that I think might help us come to some understanding of what God might be doing, things that we might want to look for. The first comes from John chapter 15 where Jesus says, I'm the true vine and my father is the gardener. And he talks about like um, he's the vine and we're the branches and unless we're connected to him, like we can't produce fruit. And so in verse 2 he says, he cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more faithful. Sometimes God allows us to go through seasons like this so that he can prune some things off of us. So that he can help us to remove some things from our lives or refine us in such a way that enables us to be even more fruitful. He kind of talks about this in Hebrews chapter 12. So we'll read that together. Hebrews 12, verse 4, says this. In your struggle against sin, you have not resisted to the point of shedding your blood. Verse 
And have you completely forgotten this word of encouragement that addresses you as a father addresses his son? It says, My son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline and do not lose heart when he rebukes you because the Lord disciplines the one he loves and he chastens everyone he accepts as his son. Endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as his children for what children are not disciplined by their father. If you are not disciplined and everyone undergoes discipline, then you are not legitimate, not true sons and daughters at all. Moreover, we have all had human fathers who disciplined us and we respected them for it. How much more should we submit to the Father of spirits and live? They disciplined us for a little while as they thought best, but God disciplines us for our good in order that we may share in his holiness. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. Therefore, strengthen your feeble arms and weak knees. Make level paths for your feet so that the lame may not be disabled, but rather healed. Okay? So it talks about us enduring hardship as discipline. Now, it's important that we understand that discipline is not just about punishment, all right? And so don't read this as when you're going through a hard time, when you're having a struggle, that God is punishing you. That's, that's not the intent here. It's about training and instruction. And he, it, there are times when, you know, like with my children, I do punish them. But I also, my goal is that, that I would teach them the way they ought to live and help them to make wise choices and live, live life in, 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 a, in a good and healthy way. And so what it's saying here is that when we go through hardship, we need to consider it as though God was training us and developing us and growing us. It says that God disciplines us, He instructs us, He trains us, He, he lets us go through the hardship for our good in order that we may share in His holiness. That it doesn't feel good at the time, but in due time we read we reap a harvest of righteousness and peace. That there's this transformation that's, that's happening that, that God is doing. And we just need to be open if we're experiencing these, these, these seasons of like, God, I don't know where you are, what's going on here. Just allowing God to use it to transform us and bring about righteousness, holiness, and peace. So what might God be doing in this? And here's some possible answers. Like what's on the other side of this season? I referenced um, Peter Scazzaro in his book, Emotionally Healthy Discipleship or Emotionally Healthy Spirituality, and he talks about this journey through the wall, and he outlines some things that I think are really helpful. I've seen them in the lives of, of people that I've, uh, that I've talked to, people that have mentored me. I've seen these things uh, uh, become true in my own life as I've experienced these different seasons and and hoping that I'm, that I'm growing through them and allowing God to, to grow me. But here, here are some potential outcomes for you as you wrestle with this, as you take those things to God, and what does it look like? What does life look like on the other side of it? Because sometimes you feel like you're never going to get through it, right? It's just like, how long is this going to last, right? So, so potential outcomes. Well, one would be a growth in humility. That... In the midst of these seasons, we learn a greater appreciation for mystery, that we are not God and that we don't have all the answers, and a greater appreciation for our own brokenness, 
that we can recognize our own sinfulness, the things in us that maybe aren't uh, pleasing to the Lord, that maybe aren't what God has for us, that aren't His best for us. And like we recognize our fallenness, our weakness, and we begin to just shed this idea of judgment. Like a lot of times we're really critical of other people. We judge their spiritual journey. Their spiritual journey doesn't look like our spiritual journey, so they must not be following God closely. They must not be the, you know, faithful like I'm faithful, right? And we, we can be very judgmental, but a season like this, we might come out on the other side just recognizing, man, I'm really broken. And when other people, when they mess up, I've got some grace because I messed up. I know I messed up. Like, I can forgive because I've been forgiven. That, that might be one, one outcome. There might be a purging of unholy affections. And what I, what I mean by this is that we develop a greater detachment from the things of the earth. And I don't mean like detachment in like an unhealthy sense where we just don't care. That's not what I'm talking about. But this sense of spiritual detachment where it's like, I want what God wants and that's all I want. I'm not worried about my own agenda. I'm not just uh, stuck on the things of this earth and, and getting stuff for myself. I just want what God wants. And there's a healthy sense of detachment where that stuff doesn't rule me anymore. anymore. The opinions of other people don't matter. Like, I can follow God whatever other people think. I'm not controlled by what people expect from me, but rather I can be myself before God. And even my own feelings about God might be purged. Because sometimes I confuse my feelings about God with God himself. And sometimes when I want an experience of God, I'm looking for certain feelings to make myself feel good, but those things are not God. God gives us feelings. Feelings are important. Um, We don't want to ignore them. We don't want to minimize them in any kind of way. But those things are not God himself. And so the question we might ask ourselves, am I in love with my feelings about God or do, do I truly love him for who he is, not just how he makes me feel? Does that make sense? And so a season where like, it feels like you're disconnected and disoriented and there's silence might be purging us from some of those things that are unhealthy affections. Pruning. And the other side of it is, is growth. The last thing we'll talk about is this this idea of transformation in the way that we love people. When we have greater humility, a greater understanding of our brokenness and and mystery, when we're being purged of of unholy affections, we come out on the other side of these things with a greater ability to relax in God's love because we know that He's in control. We've been through some hardship, we've been through some suffering, and God has produced holiness in us, He's produced righteousness, He's produced peace. And so we can relax in His love and then love others better, that we're better able to freely give ourselves to other people because I'm not stuck on myself. I'm not stuck on the things that I have. I'm not stuck on what I want to do in my own agenda, but, but rather God is transforming and I'm able to freely give myself in love to other people. These are the kinds of things that God might be doing as he allows us to go through these seasons where it's like, where are you, Lord? How long is this going to last? Are you even there? Do you even care? So, the thing is, God is with us even when we don't feel like it. Don't try to avoid these seasons because it will stunt your growth. You try to go around it, try to ignore it, try to pretend it's not happening. 
It's a wall, and unless you go through it, there's, there's no growth. God can't do what he wants to do. And what he wants to do is to bring healing to you and to transform you on a deep, deep level so that you can experience his love more freely and you can give his love more freely. This is how God works and moves. And there are mountains and there are valleys. And both are gifts. Sometimes we look at the mountains and we say, that's an awesome gift. And and the valley, well, that just sucked. I'm not interested, right? But both of these things are gifts from God as he transforms us to be like him in the way that he loves. And will we receive these things from him as gifts and allow him to change us deeply at the root of who we are? Would you pray with me this morning? Father God, I thank you for this time that we've had to to dig into your word and to study deeply today. And God, some of these, these truths are hard truths because they're things that we don't like to think about. They're things that we don't like to hear, but they are part of our experience. They are part of our life, our journey with you. And God, I pray that you would help us to see clearly and be open for you to do whatever it is that you want to do in us as you transform us into the image of your Son, Jesus Christ, who laid down his life so that we could be saved. God, when we're feeling like you're hiding, when we have a season of silence, I pray that you would help us to remain faithful and to trust in you and allow you to show yourself in your timing in ways that you desire for our good. As your beloved sons and daughters, we trust that you see things that we don't see. And so we wait patiently for you to bring healing and help. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.